Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. How's everybody doing today? Y'all doing all right? Awesome, man. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, Let me start off today by simply maybe asking you a question, just out of curiosity. How many of you guys have ever had the great privilege and opportunity to go to South Louisiana? Yes. All right. So next really important question. I mean, this is like significant. Uh, how many of you guys have ever had the opportunity? Uh, I know you have a brother. How many of you guys have ever had an opportunity to eat a really good gumbo? Yeah. Listen, if, if you did not raise your hand, not so much on the first one. You, you're not missing out. But the second one, <laughs> if, if, if you... If you've never had the opportunity to have a good gumbo, I want you to know, man, you're missing a great privilege in life. Anyway, it's one of the best things that you could ever eat. Anyways, so I say that to say this, that today's going to be kind of like a spiritual gumbo. And what I mean by that is today's going to be a mixture of theological teaching, practical application, and some good old heart-to-heart family talk. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're going to unpack quite a bit today, uh, so buckle up. I I hope that this uh, helps us move forward in Jesus' name. So uh, one more question. Um, it'll be the last one I ask you to engage with here. But how many of you guys were actually uh, here at any of the meetings with Michael Cotton last weekend? Okay, so probably over more than half of us. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, for you guys that weren't here, uh, basically Michael was a minister that came from uh, North Carolina. He simply just ministered what we would call the prophetic gift, and that's simply where you just pray for people, and, uh, and you hear what God's saying, and you share it with them. I'll leave it at that. We're going to dive into that a little bit more today, but um, I'll just say this. As a pastor... Um, While I was grateful for the entire weekend, uh, my favorite gathering had to be Friday night. And and at least for me, for you guys that were there, you would know, uh, it was such a blast to see uh, Mr. Michael just kind of flow in the gifts of the Spirit so accurately as he ministered to so many of you. And uh, I I was just simply encouraged not only by that, but also how many people responded to, you know, prayer for the gift of healing and also prayer for uh, your businesses. In fact, I was probably shocked by how many people in this church run their own businesses. Like, it was an incredible number. So anyways, so I would say overall the night was just a blast. It was fun to watch everybody get ministered to and see Jesus do what Jesus does. But here's why I bring all that up is after uh, somewhat processing all the events from last weekend, because there was so much kind of on the table there, uh, you know, I, I was kind of left with the question of this, is, is where do we go from here? Where do we, as the anchor church, where do we go from here? You, you see, if we realize or not, it's extremely important. Uh, that's an extremely important question because we all have an, an option to weigh in on that. Right, like, like we, we make up this church family. You know, so often people just look at me and my family or Tommy and his family and we say, well, that's pastors and staff. No, 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 listen, it is every one of us. If you call this place home, we make up this church family, amen? So we, what we do weighs in and has great impact here. So in light of last weekend, I just think that you and I have two options. And the first one is this is that we can easily tell ourselves that last weekend was different, maybe kind of neat, a little bit out of the ordinary, uh, but we're just going to keep moving on with our lives, uh, you know, just the same as before. Or we could stop long enough to consider and actually weigh the magnitude of the words that were spoken over us and realize that those words will will require our agreement and our participation to see them come to pass. Going to get a good amen on that. See, I think if we actually sit back and consider what was said, that, that we would actually see that, that, man, this is what's possible for not only us as individuals, but this is what's possible for us as a church family. And if that's the case, then it would be foolish, if not uh, irresponsible, for us just to just kind of go on with business as usual. Right, and, and because if we do that, if we just say, okay, I'm going to ignore that, and I'm just going to go on and do that, then I want you to realize, man, we're going to miss out on a lot of things from God that way. Right? 
So I just repeat to you today that we can either ignore the things that have been spoken or we can step out in faith and trust that God's going to meet us there. And I want you to know, once again, gain the choice is ours. Okay, now with that being said, um, you know, I don't want to be presumptuous this morning, but I will say this. That if I know some of you the way that I think I know you, and if we are as hungry for Jesus as I think we are, and if we love Jesus as much as I think we do, then I think that the choice that we make is a pretty clear one, that we're going to go with the latter, that we're going to go with the second one, that we're going to say, God, we're going all in with you, that we refuse to remain and just die where we're at. Amen? So, so that I'm being clear this morning, I just want you to know that if we say, okay, we're going to choose the second, uh, you know, will, will this possibly require us to step out of some, uh, some, some into, let me say it this way, will it require us to step into some new and maybe even uncomfortable territory for us as a church? Like, will it require us to stretch our faith? Will it uh, require us to grow and even change? Will it require us to consider parts of the Bible that we've never considered up until this point in our lives? And I want you to know a thousand percent, I'm certain that it will require those things of us. But I'm also confident of this, that God will actually reveal some of the missing pieces and the next steps for us individually and corporately for our next season. And that's exciting. If I could say it to you another way, it's this. If I could maybe just box it in one sentence. I, I feel like God's given us an opportunity uh, to step out of our comfort zones and to step into a more fulfilling life in the kingdom. And that right there excites me because that's wrapped in divine destiny. Amen? Amen. So before we kind of uh, jump into the meat of what I want to talk about today, I actually want to share with you what, what, what Mr. Michael spoke over me. Some of you guys may have been to second service last week. Uh, if you heard it before, you get to hear it again. But if you weren't here, you get to hear it. Please just listen. And, and what I want you to actually notice as I read this is I want you to notice the themes that are in here. And I'll tell you why in a second. So here's what he said. He says, God shows me first that you're standing on a broad foundation that's level. That God has put a level place in front of you now. There's no hills. There's no potholes. There's not some tricky trail you got to follow. You're standing on a smooth stone foundation. And God says, this is a place of rest for you. This is not a time where you have to do warfare for your place or for the place of this church or any of that. And this foundation is broad. It's smooth and it's stone. So it's strong. It's big. And it can take the weight and it's smooth. So you're in a place where the foundation is done. I'm going to read that again. So you're in a place where the foundation is done. And God says, enjoy the building. This is not a time of strife. He says, I need to say that to your brother. This is not a time of strife. This is not a time where you got to contend with things. Just be the builder. And God is going to allow building to take place here. He says, when he has you venture off the smooth place you are on, he will warn you first that he is sending you on the small trail that's going to be tricky. But this time is a time for building, and you don't have to contend for anything. You don't have to watch your back. It's a right place at a right time. And a word that maybe you've never heard, which was very true, he said this in closing, it's smooth selling right now. Go for it. All right. So I share that with you for two reasons today. The first one is this, is without going into a bunch of details, it's accurate, okay? So I receive it. In other words, there's things that were said in there uh, that truthfully that only Jen and I and maybe a few others actually really know the heart of things that that spoke about. And so I'm just trying to tell you uh, as your pastor, man, look, I heard that word, I received that word, and it's extremely accurate, pretty much every facet of it. Uh, there's a lot of things that have been prayed in secret that that spoke to. That's encouraging, right? So like I said, I don't want to go into a lot of details, but I do want to say this is that God clearly spoke to me years ago, and I've told some of, some of you this before, but he told me out of Jeremiah chapter 1, 9 to 10. In other words, I was praying, he dropped this verse in my heart, and then he began to unpack it for me. But here's what it says in Jeremiah 1. It says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. Here's the key part. To root out and to pull down to destroy, and to throw down. Watch the transition, to build and to plant. So when he used that word, to build, it was very significant to me 
because of what I know I'm called to do. You, you see, it's not only because of this verse, but because of other things that have been spoken for over the last 25 years with Jesus. I know that God has called Jennifer and I to go to places that are out of order to put them into order. And, and part of that process is simply this, is that you go in and you have to be able to discern if it's an individual's life or it's in a group of people, in a church. You discern what is off, what is not right, what is not from God. And you begin to, through the word, through prayer, uh, through speaking to people, through discipleship, you begin to pull down things that are not of God. You begin to uproot, destroy, whichever word you want to use there that he used. And then there's this divine exchange that happens from God where you get to build and to plant what is of him, of what he wants in people, of what he wants in the church. And so uh, from, that, uh, from that prophetic word, I, you know, it would appear like this to me, at least when I read it, here's where my heart goes, is that we are in a transition from the pulling down and the uh, destroying phase here in this church. And that God's allowing us to move into the building phase. That's exciting. Right? In other words, that we, once again, through prayer and all those things, we have uprooted things that needed to be pulled down. Right? So, so now that obviously, according to God, uh, we have a good, solid, smooth, and strong, that's key word there, strong foundation, and now it looks like he's going to help us build some things. All right, so if I can give you an extra thought here. Uh, for those who have been here for a while, and there's a handful of us that are here, uh, but, but we've seen God... Uh, restore the emotional and the spiritual health of this church in some incredible ways. Like over the last six years, it's like, man, God's done miracles. Really, miracles in the hearts of people, right? And, and, and he has obviously not only done miracles in the hearts of people, but he's obviously laid a firm foundation through his word the past couple years as well. In, in fact, I'll say this, you've heard me say it before, but, but when we came here three, uh, six years ago, the Lord said, do three things. He said, love the people. He said, move slow. And he said, teach the word. And there's been times where I have felt like, man, that I have been a, uh, you know, a, a racehorse and a stall wanting to get out, wanting to run, and I just can't. That we just got to move slow, and we got to be methodical, and we got to teach. And the reason is because the Lord was laying a foundation. He was uprooting things. And, and for you guys that are from Maine and have ever cleared land, uh, man, you know that it's, uh, it's not easy to clear a plot of land here. Right, like there's loads of rocks, and I want you to know that what is in the natural is in the spiritual as well. Uh, man, it's not easy, right? And, and so I just think this, it's like when you stop and you begin to think about a foundation, you go, man, like, like this, here's where my mind goes. Like who in the world has ever uh, sat back and just looked at a foundation and went, wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> man, just look at it. What a beaut. Right, right, like, like the only person that maybe does that is the concrete guy. Like, that's it, right? But, but, but nobody else really goes, wow. Calls over their friends, would you look at that? Right? It just, it doesn't happen. And, and so I just think this, the reason nobody does that is because foundations actually represent unfinished work. Right? That, that, that a foundation, man, that the sole purpose of them, and I know we can go a lot of directions in that, but the sole purpose is for them to be built upon. And so, you know, once again, after all, is it not the building itself, piece by piece, room by room, we can just say ministry by ministry that carries the identity and the purpose of the house. Is that true? Right? So in other words, when people pull up, they don't look at your house and go, man, foundation's great. No, they walk through your house. They see how it's decorated. They see the color of it. They see all the things, the, you know, whatever that's designed about the house. They go, wow, that's pretty. And so what I hear and feel from the Lord is, is that, guess what? He's allowing us maybe to step into a season where it's not so much, obviously, work, where we're pulling up rocks and all that stuff. But he's allowing us to actually hear from him and begin to identify our identity in him as a church and maybe get a little bit more traction on what our purpose is. Because the reality is, I feel like for six years, I've banged my head against that wall. Right? So I'm like, Lord Jesus, please, thank you, we'll take some of that. Right? All right, so the second reason I read, uh, I read that prophecy is because of this. It's because I've been doing this long enough to realize that a high majority of the time, uh, when God begins to speak to a leader or a pastor, he's really speaking to the entire church family. Okay, and so, so even though last week, uh, you know, I was the, the guy standing up here, I don't really think he was just speaking all this to me. I think, once again, he was speaking this to every single one of us in this room that called this place home. 
Amen? And so because I think that's true, there's two verses that connect that I want to read to you today. We're not going to stand them long, but I just think we got to make a decision today in our own hearts. And so I'm going to read these two verses to you. The first one comes out of Ephesians chapter 1. This is Paul talking. He said this. He said, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. Watch this. And has made him head over. Somebody say head over. It's made him the head over all things for the benefit of who? The church. So listen, clearly this means that Jesus, not a man, not a staff, not a board of elders, not a congregation, but Jesus is in charge of the church. Right? That's why you'll never hear me go, uh, our staff, our people, our church. I don't use that vernacular. Why? Because I understand that Jesus is the head of this, not me. Great place to say amen. Right? And so watch this. Because it's his, listen to what else he said in Matthew 16, 18. He said this. He said, I will, once again, the theme, I will build my church. You understand that we can't do it. Right? That we just... Go, okay, we're going to hear you, we're going to do the best we know how, and we've had the opportunity to clean some ground, pull up some things, and lay a foundation. But it would appear like that Jesus is sitting back and going, you know what? Not only am I the head of the church, but guess what? Now I'm also giving you a green light to move forward with me into some new territory. Right? And so I just think we might as well, as the prophecy said, we might as well go for it. How many of you guys know if the king of kings is giving you green light, that's the best green light you can get? Amen? Amen. Listen, there's people in this room, you know what it's like to have a red light from the Lord and you want to act like it's green. And you've seen what happens when you try to run where God's not leading you. And so it's pretty cool when the Lord says, okay, it's green, you have clear passage, and it's going to be smooth. Have some fun. Let's have some fun. Amen. All right. So with all that out there, uh, for the sake of context, and I want to just maybe... um, uh, how can I say this? In fact, Candace prayed for me a while ago. I'll just use her words. She said this. She said that pretty much today, because uh, she was in first service, obviously I know when I'm preaching today, this isn't chocolate cake. It's not even fried chicken, right? And, and the reality is it may not even be Brussels sprouts. Thank God for that. So, so, but, but what it is, is is this. It's almost like uh, the table is being set, and there's the plates are out, the forks are out, the knives are out, and these are the tools that we are going to need to be able to move forward and to begin to eat later what he wants us to eat, to grow where he needs us to grow. Okay? So, so if you can kind of hear it from that, this is the theological spot, uh, but it's also practical stuff mixed in with it that we can apply to our everyday lives. So... Um, so let's just do this. We can move forward in an intentional way. I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul told the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 4. And it'll help you understand who we had last week as well. Here we go. He says, therefore, he says, when Jesus ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Can somebody say gifts? Yes. Now, what were the gifts that he gave to the church? He says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now, why did he give these gifts to the church? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me make that really simple. So you and I would actually not only know our place in the church, but we would also be prepared and equipped to do what he's called us to do. And in the meantime, not only would we be encouraged, but we would have unity, right? And lastly, so we'd be mature in who we are in Jesus. That's what he's saying, right? So listen, so within this passage, we discover that God has given or God has appointed five offices Five functions, five anointings, five responsibilities, whatever word fits your fancy. But he's given these five, I will use the word offices, to lead his church. Now, to understand biblically, when Jesus ministered for three and a half years, he operated in all five of these giftings. Jesus is the greatest prophet. He is the greatest apostle. He is the great shepherd, right? He could teach. Are you feeling me? He was the best evangelist because he came to save the world. 
Okay, and so what he's saying here is, guess what, is he left us, but he didn't leave us empty-handed. He actually said, you know, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to impart an anointing on people's lives to lead in my place. That's what he's saying, right? And so what were the gifts? What were the people leading in those places? There are apostles, there are prophets, there are evangelists, there's pastors, and there's teachers. And I need to say something really clear right now, that, that all of these don't necessarily stand in a pulpit, Okay. Now, now listen, it's also important for us to know that at the core, uh, all five of these responsibilities, their, their first and foremost duty to God is to preach the gospel. Okay, there's some people that have lost that, but, but listen, if you are genuinely called to the fivefold ministry, the thing that's going to burn above all else is the preaching of the gospel. Okay, watch this, but their anointing or their gift set uh, that they have to go about that, I want you to know that it varies from office to office or function to function. In other words, there's a different anointing on all five of them to get the job done. So, for example, most basic level, I'm going to give you some simple things here. When you look at basically an apostle, apostle's role or apostle's responsibility is to govern the church. The prophets is to guide. The evangelist, he gathers. The pastor, he guards. The teacher, he grounds. Say that again. The apostle governs, the prophet guides, the evangelist gathers, the pastor guards, and lastly, the teacher grounds. Let me actually elaborate on this a little bit more just for our sake. When we begin to talk about apostle, this isn't going to be lengthy, but but when we talk about apostle, we realize that a, a true apostle will have a burden to restore the church back to God's original intent. Right, and, and it's been often referred to that, that these people that have a father's anointing on their life or they will be called builders. Okay, When you look at a prophet, a prophet simply does this. It's his role and responsibility uh, to hear from heaven and to reveal God's heart to his people. And so by revealing God's heart to his people, he gives guidance not only to individuals uh, but more specifically to the body of Christ. And so that involves revelation. Right? as well as application and timing of what has been spoken. In fact, if I can maybe pause for a moment, I'm going to give you one little thing last week that I think was from Jesus that we need to heed. Okay? Y'all ready? So out of everything that Michael said last week, the golden moment, in my opinion, is when he said this. If you are vaccinated or if you're not vaccinated, then whichever one you do, you need to do it in faith brilliant heart of God in my opinion because why because us as a church not us as a church but the church universally we are so bent out of shape and so divided over that shot right and so it it takes a prophet to go you know what stop stop it like stop arguing stop finding it stop sending everybody emails stop just stop okay like you do you and you do you in faith. If you got faith that you don't need it, don't, don't do it. But if you got faith that you need it, then do it. And then he added this last part. And stop judging one another for the decisions they make. So can we heed that, right? Because what, here's why. Because that's a word that brings what? Unity. Amen? Amen. I'll amen myself on that one. Amen. I felt so good it felt like I preached it. Anyways, here we go. So then you have the evangelist. What does the evangelist do? He, he carries the burden for those who are not part of the family of God. In other words, first and foremost, man, that dude lives, sleeps, and breathes salvation, right? And, and God has anointed him in such a way not only to preach a, a message that brings great conviction, but it brings uh, a response of great repentance as well, right? So then you have the pastor. Obviously, pastors have a deep burden uh, for the well-being of the sheep. Uh, they're shepherds, so they want to see their, their sheep or their people be fed. They want to see them grow, right? But they're also willing to step in, as any good shepherd would, to bring correction. Why? Because correction is always protection if it's done right. Correct? And so that's, that's part of the way that they lead the people. And lastly is a teacher. Now, what's so cool about a teacher is this. A teacher actually has anointing from God that, that literally within themselves, the scripture is illuminated. And so their anointing helps them bring not just insight, but it helps them to reveal the mind of God to the body of Christ. That's what a teacher does. So when we actually sit back and we look at all five of those, 
And we begin to go, okay, what's the, what's the byproduct of this? The byproduct, once again, is that as these offices or these responsibilities or these people are fulfilling their roles in unity with one another, according to Ephesians 4, it equips the saints, once again, to do the work of the ministry. Right? So, so once again, if I can maybe stop there to help you understand what that means. Uh, when you look at the Greek word, it actually means that, that someone's uh, like limb, arm, or leg is out of place. It's out of socket. It's dislocated. Okay? And so when it says that they're there to do, equip the saints to the work of the ministry, it's saying that, that one of those five come into your life and, and they grab a hold of your arm that's out of spot, out of, out of, out of uh, joint, and they pop it back in place. In other words, they, they help you find your place in the body and they pop you back in so you can live and move with the rest of the body. Am I making sense? So... Anyway, so not only do they do that, but they also come and they bring encouragement. They bring a unity of the faith. And ultimately, they bring maturity once again to the body of Christ. So let me say this because I don't know everybody's history in the room. Uh, I, I need to say that when it comes to those five offices, it's not about control. It's not about power. It's not about a church hierarchy. It's not about unhealthy recognition. Uh, the truth is, is those five offices are really about two words. It's about responsibility and it's about serving. That we have a responsibility to prepare the bride of Christ, right? And we have what? A responsibility to serve the body of Christ in the meantime as well. Right, And so I just think, and I hope people understand, that with that responsibility comes great accountability. Like, I wish in America we would get this in the American church, that there comes accountability, because why? Because the people who are called the fivefold, this is why I would encourage you not to do it unless God's appointed you there. So many people want to do that, but they're not called to that. Is at the end of the day, man, we are doubly judged. How many of you guys know that's not... Right? Yeah. All right. All right. So I wanted to say all of that so you could understand that when we talk about basically a prophet, that, that here's what we mean. Okay? So, so you and I actually had uh, the opportunity uh, to have a, a, a functioning prophet among us last week. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Just hang here. It's okay. So listen, uh, when I say the word prophet, I realize that there's probably people in this room that at one time or another have, have encountered someone uh, that misrepresented that office, right? In other words, that they, that they maybe stepped beyond the boundaries and beyond the anointing that God really called them to and, and for whatever reason. And, and, and I can just, let me just maybe leave it at this. If that's you, my prayer is that Jesus would heal you. Okay, if it caused damage in your life, and I mean that, uh, but, but as far as I'm concerned, that's got to be at the end of the day between them and God, and that's where we leave it, because we're all going to stand before him, okay? So that's above my pay grade, right? All right, so, so but also realize this, and, more, and this is more important to me today, is that there are those of us in this room who have been taught uh, for years that the office of a prophet, like an apostle, is no longer in operation in the body of Christ, um, so, so when I hear that, I immediately go into who I am. I'm a common sense guy, and I take a very common sense approach to the Bible. And, and, and the reason I ask a lot of questions is because that's how my common sense brain works. So, so here's one of the questions that comes to me. Is if the ministries of the apostle or prophet have ceased, uh, then what does that mean for the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher? I told you it was simple. <laughs> like, have they ceased as well? Like, did Jesus really say, okay, you know what, I am, I am, I descended and now I'm ascending and I'm giving these five gifts to men, but you know, whatever, I, you know, a thousand years later, I'm going to change my mind and I'm going to retract. I'm going to renege on those two offices, and, uh, but we're going to leave those other three going. Th that doesn't make sense. And so my, my point is this, is if one of them have ceased, then all of them have to cease. And if all of them have ceased, then that means we no longer have an evangelist. Good thing that Billy Graham's already gone. We, we don't have to tell him that, right, that his office was an operation. Uh, and there's no pastors and there's no teachers, so we might as well go home, right? So another common sense question would be this, is if the responsibility of these five offices, according to Ephesians, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, is there still ministry needing to be done? Okay, 
if it's to basically make sure that the church comes into unity. Are we in perfect unity at this moment? Y'all look really unsure. Uh, look, look, let me tell you, okay, the, the, I'll just say this. We wouldn't go nationwide, but the churches in Knox County are not even in unity, okay? And, and so do you think this, that if they're also called to bring the church to full maturity in Christ, do y'all feel like we have reached full maturity? No. no. So, so listen, so listen, that means that obviously that the prophet role hasn't ceased then, right? And it also must mean that, guess what, we need them. Right? So, therefore, I want you to maybe heed the words of what Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. He simply encourages us to do this. He said, do not despise prophecies. I'm amazed by how many people in the church despise prophecy. Now, I will say this. From what we've seen in the last year, I get why you would. Okay? But, but at the core, man, we've got to remember who God is. Okay, and we got to remember his word and how he wants to function and operate with us. And, and so I just think at the end of the day, man, we cannot make the mistake of despising prophecy of something that God has intended good for us. And if we, are, we aren't supposed to despise prophecy, then that means we shouldn't uh, despise the office of a prophet as well. Amen? All right, so let's transition here. If, if we aren't supposed to despise them, in fact, we're supposed to need them, then I think that it would probably be really helpful to us if we actually understood how a, what a prophet really meant, how they operate, and, and what benefit uh, prophecy could be in our own lives. And so let me just say this first, we're going to move quick, is at the core, a prophet is one who lends his voice to another. That's what it means, one who lends his voice to another. In other words, they become God's spokesman, Okay. So if that's true, then that means that a prophecy is simply this. It's God speaking through man. Now, I know that may sound far-fetched to some people, but do we believe God still speaks? Yes. yes, we do. So why couldn't he speak to a man what's in his heart so he could tell us? Because the last time I, I looked at us, man, we need encouragement, and sometimes we don't do a good job of listening ourselves. Come on, smile at me, church. It's all right. So, so listen, when, when, a, when a prophet comes or someone who's just operating in the gift of prophecy, we can get in that some other time. But, but listen, at that moment, they're carrying a current message from the heart of God. And sometimes they speak things that are to come. And I'll say this, more often than not, those two things are in combination. God will say something that only really you and him know, and then he'll go, oh, by the way, this is what I have in store. Right, But ultimately what's happening in that, in that exchange, God's simply revealing his heart to you. Like he's saying, here's what I feel about you. And then there's times where he goes, you know what, here's what I feel to this group of people. Right? All right, so let's, let's turn and let's look at the role prophecy can play in a believer's life. All right? So I actually want to do something that may be a bit strange to everybody because we're talking about how does, how does prophecy benefit us. I actually want to use a verse that I'm sure probably if you've been in church more than two years, you probably know, and there's a good chance you quote it. And there's maybe even a good chance that you have a, a, a piece of, I don't know, a mug, a pitcher, uh, a T-shirt, a, a keychain, because the church has marketed this verse so well, there's a good chance you got it at your house, okay? So anyways, here's the verse. <coughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, Oh, my granny got me that shirt. All right, here we go. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We normally stop there, but let's keep reading. That's all they can fit on the keychain, I guess. Anyways, here we go. Verse 12. It says, Then you will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Great verse. Watch this. Like I said, most Christians can probably quote that, uh, at least the majority of it. And, and the reason is because it's used quite often to uh, not only comfort us, but also to encourage us. And we, I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I, I like that verse. It's pretty awesome, right? Uh, but, but here's what I'm also sure of today, is that most Christians probably don't understand the historical context uh, surrounding that verse, or maybe we could just say of why it was written, like they had no clue. In other words, we, we do that so often, we go, oh, that's a good one, ah, slap it on the shirt, right? Whatever. Anyways, so um, 
But let's look at it in historical context. Jeremiah actually wrote these uh, prophetic words to the Jews who were carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So in other words, he wrote this to people who were living as captives in a foreign or a pagan land. Now, I won't bore you, but I will say this. We're getting pretty doggone close to that. Okay? So, but, but if I can just maybe help us put ourselves in their shoes for a moment, here's what, you know, pick whoever you think America's greatest enemy is, and, and, and basically what it would be like is their military force coming in and basically destroying our military force, and so they would conquer our nation, right? And after they conquered our nations, our enemies would say, you know what, we're not going to let you remain in America. We're actually going to take you back to the country where we're from, and we're going to pretty much put you in bondage there. So you're going to have to basically settle in our country because we're going to keep an eye on you, and we're going to put our thumb on you, and we're going to control everything you do. Like, who wants to go on that vacation? Right? So, so, so that's where these people were, okay? So listen, so my point is these words weren't spoken in some cute, safe Sunday school class when everything was just right, right? It, listen, these words were spoken to a group of people who were doing hardship and suffering, people who probably not only felt homesick, but they probably felt like God had forgotten them, Right? And listen, I'm sure kind of in the mix of that, there was loads of emotions of that they were fearful. They were probably confused. They probably felt insignificant. They probably lacked purpose. They probably didn't have a proper view of themselves. Are you hearing me today? And I just want to ask you, man, have you ever felt any of those yourself? I have, right? And so, listen, you can imagine... Once again, living in a foreign country, in bondage, feeling like God's forgotten them or abandoned them, feeling like, man, God's so distant, not hearing their prayers. They're fearful. They're concerned about their children, their children's children. Every freedom was taken away from them. And so you can't imagine that when this word was spoken, right, that, that, that what it must have meant to them, right? So, so the funny part is this, and, and I do think there's some correlation in the day and age we're living in. Is, is there was actually a prophet that was uh, there, and, and I'm going to get his name a little bit wrong, but it's like uh, Hananiah, something like that, okay? I, I'm not, can't always say those names, but, but that was his name. We'll call him Hans. <laughs> Pump you up. Anyway, so here we go. All right, here we go. So Hans basically was... <laughs> I'm sorry, there's inside jokes here happening in my head. I'm looking at Tommy, I'm looking at Kat. It's, anyways, all right. So, so Hans, right, is, is, is here trying to prophesy to all the people, and, and he is saying, look, guys, don't worry. We're okay. We're going to go home in two years. And the Lord took issues with that, and he said basically this. He rebuked them and said that they were making up prophecies from their own dreams. They were causing dreams by their own desires, and I think that's what's happened in the last year. A lot, among a lot of prophets, they have wanted something so bad in their heart that that's what they've said. And I get that. I'm not faulting them. I, it just, that says what it is. But the scary part is here, we're talking Old Testament times, God took that dude out. He removed him so he would quit hindering the whole. And so then here comes Jeremiah, and Jeremiah begins to give, give an accurate prophecy from the Lord. In fact, the Lord actually says this. He said, if you sought me, you would have heard correctly, and you would utter the right words, right? And so anyways, so, so God told Jeremiah to prophesy to the people that they would live in Babylon, not two more years, but they would actually be there 70 more years. But then, you know, that sounds like, oh, but then he adds this. He says, therefore, you should settle down, build houses, marry, and even pray for the peace and prosperity of the city in which you are now living in. And then he threw the cherry on top, our t-shirt, Jeremiah 29. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. In other words, he's saying, guys, I realize where you're at, but I haven't forgotten about you. That's good to know today. Says, I still have plans to prosper you. How many of you guys know that they probably didn't feel like there was an opportunity to be prosperous? 
Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Two things they didn't have. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Once again, I haven't abandoned you. I hear every word that you say. And then he says this powerful verse in verse 13, which I believe is, in my opinion, probably outside of salvation, the greatest promise ever given to God's people. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He says, I will be found by you. Isn't that awesome? We have a guarantee from the Lord. If we seek him, we're going to find him. Best game of hide and go seek you've ever played. Watch this. And I just think, man, that just like that, man, God comes in a time of a desperate hour. God gives them a right on time prophetic word. And that prophetic word turns around their thinking. It turns around their speaking, turns around their living. Why? Because once again, he gave them a renewed hope, a renewed purpose, and a renewed direction for their lives. That's good news. So listen, I don't know about you, but I can personally say this. Every time that I've ever struggled, I shouldn't say every time um, because it's come in different ways, but there's been a lot of times when I've been struggling with the same feelings that we just talked about with those people that someone will call me, somebody will walk over to me, somebody will pray for me, uh, somebody will just show up, somebody I may not even, most times it's somebody I don't even know. They'll show up and they'll begin to give me a prophetic word and it is right on the money and addresses all the turmoil that's going on in my own heart. And that very thing God uses, that prophetic word, to turn around, once again, my thinking, my speaking, and my living. It brings peace, it brings hope, it brings purpose, it brings a forward direction, and we move on. Am I making sense? So in my opinion, that's exactly what a prophetic word can bring to not only an individual's life, but an entire church. If... If we have faith and if we heed the voice of the Lord. Amen. In fact, listen to how Paul said it here. We're, we're going to land this thing. Hang with me. I don't know how much longer. Maybe a slow landing, but it's going to land. All right. 1 Corinthians 14.3. He really like, just summarizes what happens. He says, but when someone prophesies, he speaks to encourage people. Anybody ever need encouragement? Amen. He says to build them up. Anybody ever need to be built up? Yeah. Me too. And then lastly, and to bring them comfort. I just think the good news is this, is that, man, it doesn't matter if you were a Jew that was held captive all those years ago, or if you're living now in 2021 in the mid-coast of Maine, that guess what? That, that prophecy can have a major impact in your life in all of those areas. So in addition, let me, let me add this to you. I can prove all of this biblically, so forgive me for not giving you an address for every one of these. Uh, you're just going to have to trust me and, and just... Hear it, okay? So prophetic words also have the ability to do these things. They have the ability to help us find our place. Okay, in other words, this. Inside of every one of us in this room, man, there's a longing to belong. There's a longing to be accepted. There's a longing to be loved. And, and God has a way to come and speak into our lives and actually give us, uh, uh, you know, a sense of where we have our place, right? Um, if we don't know our place, it's probably because we don't, know the heart of God for us, and we haven't sought him for it. I'll leave it at that. The next one is this, is that God actually has the ability through prophetic words to speak to our identity in him, right? In other words, he'll, he'll say this. Um, let me just put to you this way. There's some of us in this room, it's not all of us, but some of us in this room, uh, we have had a lot of things spoken to us that are very opposite of what the Bible says about us. And sometimes we uh, have more faith in the things that people have said versus what God says. And so a lot of times God will have people come alongside of us and say, hey, you know what, this is the way God sees you. And what happens is, is God trying to bring your perspective to line up with his perspective to go this way I see you, so you need to see yourself this way. Amen. Next thing is, is God uh, will use prophetic words to call us into maturity. Call us into maturity. In other words, he will deal with our sin. He will deal with our immature behavior, our immature thinking. Uh, the part of us that wants to be offended, angry, you name it, kind of go along the lines, respond out of fear and emotional stuff. He'll come and he'll go, you know what, stop. Stop. Right, And that's why a lot of times we say, yes, it's comfort. Yes, it's build up. Yes, it's edify. But a, but a prophetic word can also correct. Amen? We need to be okay with that because that's God loving us. The next thing it is is, is God calls out the gold in us. And, and what I mean by that is this, is, is if, I, if I did this, I've done this on a lot of times when I go teach people, especially in uh, schools of ministry, I will ask them. I'll say, okay, everybody, and there's a, normally a thing that I roll off after it, but I'll go, 
okay, uh, here's two index cards. Uh, on this one, I want you to write what you think your weaknesses are. And on this one, I want you to write what your strengths are. Which one do you think gets filled up the quickest? Weaknesses. Why? Because every person in this room, you can readily know your dirt. And we all got it. We've all wallowed in that pig pen at a time or two. Okay, maybe not physically, but mentally, we've done it, right? Okay, so at the end of the day, what happens is a lot of times uh, people come along, and it's not that they don't see that other stuff, but they'll counteract it with the Word of God and the heart of God, and they'll speak life over you because they're trying to get you to come up higher. They're trying to get you out of that mud. They're trying to get you to quit identifying yourself with your dirt and start identifying yourself with the victory Jesus has given you. Amen? All right, so the next one, it will actually confirm what's in our hearts. And I'll talk about that more in a second. But it also gives us direction. It'll stir up our faith. How many of you guys know when God starts talking to individuals person, and the faith in the room goes up? It's pretty cool, right? It prepares us for what's ahead. It reveals and it unlocks our purpose. It will heal our soul wounds as well. So the cool part when you begin to look at this list, listen, it doesn't matter big or small, if it's a single word, a single paragraph, or it's a really lengthy uh, prophetic word. Once again, a prophetic word has the ability to accomplish every one of those in our lives if we'll have faith for it and if we'll allow the gifts to operate around us. Amen? Amen. Let me, uh, let me do this really quick. I, I wasn't planning on doing this, and I'm going to catch him off guard. Yuri, come here real quick, please. So, so um, this is Yuri. Yuri's from Brazil. That's an Alabama way of saying it. So, um, so actually, I, I, I want to I get really just practical here for a minute, personal stories, okay? So, um, so when I say that this, that, that prophecy has the ability to prepare us for what's ahead, I want real quick for him to, you cool with this? To, 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 to give you what happened to him as a young man and, and you don't have to go real long, but watch how his life unfolded, okay? Uh, well, I was 14, the, uh, and then basically there was a woman at my, my church, and uh, she called me forward, and I remember that I had like a blue jacket on me, and uh, she was like, where's your mom? And... If you guys don't know me, I lost my dad once when I was young, so she spoke like she knew I didn't have my dad in the picture, and she was like, where's your mom, man? I know dad's not there, but where's mom? And my mom came at the time. She was working at the kitchen at church, and she came forward, and, and she looked at me, and she looked at my mom, and she said, look, in a few months, your son's going to be out of state playing, and, and you know, uh, in less than 10 years, he's going to be out of the country. And what I want to tell you, from a woman to woman, uh, let him go. Because God has a calling in his, his life, and he's going to be using him. And uh, just help him to pack his bags and give him, give him your blessing, and, and you'll see what God has for him. So that was basically it. Awesome. Thank you. Go give him a hand. <laughs> so to think about this in a moment, to give context, obviously he plays uh, what every, everywhere else in the world calls football, we call soccer, right? And so to think that a visiting minister can come and actually go, okay, I see a kid wearing this. Where is he at? Stand up and begins to prophesy what's going to happen in his life, not only him but to his mom. So, so the reason that's significant, why? Because that word gave his mom time to prepare her own heart to go, you know what? Because she already doesn't have her husband there, right? And to go, man, it's just the two of you, right? To, to, go, to go, okay, what's going to happen? I'm, I'm going to send my 14-year-old boy away. But to understand that, that spot, this man, it's like a Hannah moment, right? Where, where God says, look, you got to trust me with him. And it's so cool to see that not only did God prepare them, but, man, to watch, uh, you know, basically it unfold. And, and that's what he's still doing today is coaching with Tammy and Robbie there at the pitch. Or, anyways, pretty awesome story to my mind. Let me, let me give you one really quick where I said, that basically that God will basically use this. Let me add one basically to bring peace in our hearts, okay? And, um, yeah, I'll make this quick. So when, when I was 22 years old, uh, the Lord called me from North Carolina to go back to Louisiana. It was my second tour in Louisiana, okay? And uh, so, anyways, he called me to go back, 
And when I went back, I, I literally remember my mom's house is in Birmingham. It's a halfway point. I remember pulling out of her driveway and, and crossing my fingers and saying, Lord, I hope I'm making the right decision. I remember doing that, okay? And it was loads of details there that don't have time to tell you. But anyways, so, so I arrived there, and, uh, and the pastor said, hey, um, I, I basically lined up an interview for you. We, you want to go meet this guy named Craig and at a radio station and basically to interview uh, to be a DJ. <laughs> there is nothing about this man that would ever want to be a DJ, but I obeyed. Anyway, so I was like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm open if you want to do that. And I went and I sat in the interview and I listened to the music they played. And I was like, I listened to none of this. Whew, okay, this is struggle, and, uh, but they wanted me to work the 6 to 12 o'clock, in other words, to midnight slot. They wanted me to be that DJ, and so um, anyways, I did the interview. I kind of suggested some other music, Woo, all right, because my personality, and so Tommy actually knows the guy, and so, it was, so anyways, so I, I left the interview, and I said, there's no way I'm getting that job. <laughs> like, there's no way. There was nothing great about that. Anyway, so like two weeks later, um, I get a call from him. And he says, hey, man, I want you to know, it's a Christian radio station. He said, <clears throat> if you want the job, we would love to have you. And I was shocked that the dude was like offering me the job. Right? I was like, okay. I just said, uh, let me pray about it, and I'll call you back. Okay, because I was blown away. I went and prayed, and the Lord said, the Lord told me not to, not to take the job. And, but, he, but he added, not just don't take the job, but don't get a job. Now, listen, <laughs> we, we, when you're a redneck from Alabama, that's not really an option. Like, like we, we were raised to work, right? Like, I, raised, I was raised working on a farm, doing those things. So, you know, you, 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 you work. You, you earn a living, right? So, anyways... So uh, it wasn't the fact that he was like, hey, don't work, get on welfare. It, it wasn't that. It was don't work because I'm about to teach you how to live by faith. And I was like, okay. And I knew, okay, I need this much money a month. Um, Jesus, you're going to have to do something. So I did a variety of things. I preached. I substitute school. I helped people move. I did anything I could to make a dollar. But I didn't know where it was coming from. It was a faith thing. God, here's the deal. I never counted my money until it was time to pay bills, and every month I had it. But in the course of that, here's where the story is interesting, is, is I was about two months into that, and I went back home to Birmingham, and I took Jennifer to meet my mom for the first time, right? Like, I remember telling my mom, I'm going to marry this woman. And so, um, so anyways, my, my mom was like, son, where are you working? I don't have a job. She says, son, get a job. Right? And then she said this. She said, son, McDonald's is hiring. <laughs> and I was like, now, my mom wasn't saved at the time. Didn't get it. And so I remember uh, kind of going back and forth and, you know, I don't know, f feeling, feeling pretty discouraged. I'll leave it at that. And I drove from there and I went to uh, basically Gulf Shores, Alabama, to go see my aunt. And, uh, and my aunt just had surgery, and she, she just had cancer removed from her body, and she's all, you know, wounded and boogered up, you know, whatever. And, uh, and she's like, where are you working? <laughs> I don't have a job. She said, Q, I'm going to tell you once, get a job. She, then she added, Burger King <laughs> is hiring so we were getting the food chains. It was, it was, it was great, right? So anyways, so I'd say that to say this. I, I, I got up. Jennifer was there. There's another guy with us. We drove back to Lafayette, Louisiana, and, and I was beating myself up big time. And I, and I kept asking the question, Lord, did I miss you? 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 And I kept waiting for God to give an answer, like, like, like give me an answer, God. And, and I remember... I have a Saturday, we went to church Sunday morning, uh, it was just church, okay, guy preached, we did worship, there was nothing from God that would say otherwise, and I was pretty bummed, we went all afternoon, and how many of you guys know when you're like desperate to hear from God, it's like time drags, right, and so we go to church that night, worship was good, 
preaching was preaching, uh, but nothing from Jesus. And I kept asking. I'm telling you, I probably asked. I don't know how many hundreds of times I asked the Lord, did I miss you? Because that was a great concern. I felt like I was letting my mom down. I felt like I was letting my aunt down. Like this is going against our core values of as a family. And, and I'm ultimately, if I'm missing God, I'm letting him down, right? Like I'm a, being a bum, right? And so anyways, I, I remember that night the pastor did an altar call and still nothing from God. And, and he just simply said, hey, can you come pray with people? And I still remember the person, uh, the last person I prayed with. And I remember standing there on this side of the platform and I said, um, I basically asked him, hey, are you still struggling with that? It's funny because God began to talk to me about him, but wouldn't give me my answer. That's so frustrating. And, um, he, and he, he said, no, I'm not. And with a lion's roar, I said, looked him in the face, I said, stop lying to me because God showed me. Right? And then he cried, and then he repented, and did all of his stuff, okay? And I'm like, what about me, Lord? What about me? And, but I turned, I look, and there's a guy that sits in the office of a prophet that was in the church. And, and I said, man, can you please pray for me? And he said this, that's why I'm here. He gave that little smirk grin that he does. He weighs about 125 pounds. And, uh, and he, anyways, he said, uh, he said, that's why I'm here. And so I go over there, and he said this. Y'all hear the heart of God. He says, the Lord would say, my son, you haven't missed me. That words, that's the only thing I can, that's the only thing I pray. Have I missed you? You haven't missed me. Then he said, I'm going to do, boom, 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 all these things. He basically promised me he would take care of me. And he did. That makes sense? So, so what I'm trying to say is a lot of times we, we remove the Holy Spirit out of a supernatural faith Right, And we hinder our own selves from actually allowing God to be personal, being intimate with us. Right? There have been times beyond, beyond that story, mainly when I've been praying about, God, what am I called to do? And God has been faithful over 25 years, especially in my early years, when, when I would pray. And there was, the only way I know how to say it is what seemed like wishful thinking but it was really God depositing things in my heart that he was awakening inside of me. But I was struggling to believe that God would call me to do those things because I never wanted to be a preacher. I never wanted, you know, I didn't want to do this stuff. And, uh, but, but what happened was is literally people who did not have a clue who I was would come along and they would begin to prophesy to me. And so much so, and I won't go into details, but one night I remember praying, asking the Lord to do some things in me. Like, Lord, if you're not going to do this, do this. Like, do this, Lord. Like, I want to be this for you. And the next, the next evening, I was sitting in a church service with about 600 people, and a guy was prophesying, lengthy prophecy. And in the middle of that, he began to basically uh, read my mail and said the Lord was making me the very things that I asked the night before. And the cool part was this, is like, I had never laid eyes on the man before that night. And, uh, but what was so awesome is, is he walked down off the platform and he patted me on the shoulder and he walked back up to the platform. He knew who he was talking to. I just cried, right? But, but what happened was is this, is that not only confirmed some of the, you know, the, I would say the deepest and most treasured hopes in my heart, but man, what happened was is actually it's like God putting a stamp of approval on that so I could walk in those things with confidence, Right, that I know that's what I'm anointed to do. That's what I'm called to do, and and it's the understanding that I can be successful in that, not because I'm awesome, but because He's awesome and He's in me and He's with me. And if I can yield my heart to Him and not be distracted and let Him move, if I get all my insecurities and all those things out of the way, then He'll do His job. Amen. So so let me let me give you two quotes. I say quotes. Two two slides. They said this, prophecy not only brings value and identity, but it also brings alignment for an individual's purpose in God. Next one, a prophetic word will bear witness in your heart, but it can also make you feel stretched further than you ever thought was possible. If I can pony, uh, piggyback right off that for a second. Um, at the end of the day, listen, I'm going to tell you, and this is bold, but it, when you lay in bed at night or when you go pray and you think God's called you to do something and it doesn't cause you to cry out for more of God and, and, and cry out for his help, then it's probably not from him. 
Okay? Because God never calls us to do anything that we can do in our own ability. Because if we do it in our own ability, he doesn't get the glory. Okay? And so we have to understand that when God calls us to do something, it's going to stretch us further than what we ever thought was possible. And the reason is because God's a big God. And he wants us to dream with him without limits when it comes to where he desires to take us. All right, so last slide, and we got to land this quickly. Thanks. So if you're here and you have received a prophetic word before, or maybe you will in the future, what do you need to do? Okay, first thing to do, you need to test it. That's Bible. You need to judge it. Okay, and that really comes to this, the process. I would write it down. And then I begin to pray into that. Lord, is that your heart for my life? Like, God, is this what you want to do with me? And I'm telling you, I have confidence in this, that a majority of the time, God's going to throw a little nugget in there that only you and him would know. And then there's going to be other parts that's going to stretch your faith like crazy, okay? So, and the next thing is, you got to come into alignment with it. And what I mean by alignment is this, is that you actually allow, allow God to survey your heart to go, man, am I off anywhere? Is my thinking off? Is my behavior off? Is there sin or hidden sin in my life? Is there something that just doesn't line up with him that I need to get right? And the reason is because God wants me to be pure and he wants me to be whole. Amen? Right? So that's identity or whatever. And then I got to come into agreement. How do I come into agreement? Man, that's by the words that I say and it's the prayers that I pray. That's how I come in agreement with it. The next thing is this, is I need to study the word. Meaning this, that if God says, you know what, hey, I'm going to use you in healing. Well, it's probably smart to go to the Bible and begin to search the scriptures about what the Bible says about healing so you can have faith that he'll use you in those areas. you got to know his promises. If you're here and you go, God, God's called me to be a business owner. Well, go to the Bible and begin to find out what the Bible talks about leadership and run the business and integrity and accountability and all the characteristics that you'll need to be successful in it. Am I making sense, y'all? So, and then lastly, uh, is key, is you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because one who's spoken is the one who will fulfill it. But he's not going to fulfill it probably like you think he is. Okay? So you need to walk with him and know which steps to take. Because I promise you, what you think at the beginning is never what comes out at the end. And the reason is because he doesn't show us that. Because if he showed us that, we would skip all those processes and we would run to that spot and we would blow it. Right? And so God, it's literally steps. Steps where he builds in us. And uh, anyways, y'all get the point. Amen? Amen? Amen. Can you stand to your feet, please? I know I just unpacked a lot for y'all, but, but I want to land in a really simple place. And it's really by just us making a decision this morning. And once again, I realize some people are here visiting. Uh, some people have been here a few times. And maybe you're trying to decide if this is your church home or not. But then there's those of us that, man, this is, this is home. We've been here for a while uh, hell and high water, thick and thin, this is home, okay? And, and so, listen, I think if you're one of the people on the fringe or if you're a person that says, I'm here, then you and I have a decision to make, and it's not for me, but it's before God, and it's simply this. In fact, if you can, just close your eyes, please. Here's our choice today, going back all the way to the top, circling back around. Will we go, okay, God, uh, you're transitioning us, clearly, to go into whatever building something Whatever that means to you, okay, God, that like I, I have ideas, uh, but Lord, I don't know it fully, right? So is our option is to ignore that and to just keep going on with life, doing what we've been doing, stay in the same place we've been staying in, or is it to actually uh, go, okay, God, even though I don't understand it all, I'm going to have faith to take the next step. And when we ask the question, where do we go from here? It's where God wants us to go. That's where we go. But it requires, once again, our participation and our agreement. And so that's the choice we want to make today in our own hearts. You're not making it for me. You're making it for yourself. But once again, collectively as a church, we have to make a decision. Because God is watching. So here's what I want to do today. If you're like, man, I hear you. And I want to respond to God completely. Uh, I want to go with that second choice. Just lift your hands. Once again, before the Lord. And we're saying, Lord, we're going to go where you want us to go as a church. I know it seems trite, guys. But I think it means something to God. I really do. Yeah. So let's just simply pray and tell the Lord that. From your heart through your mouth to his heart. 
Jesus, we simply tell you today, Lord, that we go where you go. God, where you are leading this church, we want to follow. God, we recognize that this is your church. And God, if you say that you want to build whatever is in your heart, Lord, we just simply say we want to partner with you in that. And so, Lord, would you give us the courage and the strength, God, to just simply say yes to you and also to be willing to just uh, go on the journey. Lord, you've laid a foundation. God, however you want to build walls, however you want to build a bathroom and some bedrooms, a living room. God, however you want to do an attic, whatever you want to do, God, this is your house. And we just simply say we're on board. It's really that simple, Lord. That's our faith today, is that we're on board with you. And Lord, we'll come in agreement and unity with you. We'll come in agreement and unity with each other. And God, I just ask God as we begin to unpack things that maybe that are uncommon to some of us in this room, God, that we wouldn't run. But we'd be willing to hear the new things and allow you to work the process in us. So Lord, thank you for tying us together. Thank you, Lord, for tying us together in the bond of unity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.